0: Welcome to The Quest to Become Sustainably Human at Work. I'm Liz Wiltsey and I'll be your curator. My goal with every episode is to share insight from someone I admire that will help you on your own quest. So I ask you to join me. Right everyone, today I get to welcome Jade T. Perry, who is someone whose work I have admired and who has read tarot for me more than once and it's very exciting and I get to have her on the podcast today. So here is a little bit about her and her work. The mission of her work as a whole is to contribute resources, art, narratives, and experiential learning opportunities that aid in the holistic healing processes of Black folk, queer, and trans, Black, Indigenous people of color, and disabled and or chronically ill folks within those communities. Jade seeks to creatively challenge secular and sacred spaces towards greater levels of equity, justice, and spiritual activism. Through individual and organizational consulting, she supports spaces that are moving onward from diversity and inclusion into building creative and liberatory praxis at each level. So Jade, I'm excited to talk to you about it today.
1: Yes, I'm (laughs) excited to talk to you and to the folks who are listening to the podcast today.
0: (laughs) So the thing that sticks out for me about your work is that all the way around, you are building liberatory praxis. And I know not everyone is super familiar what the word praxis actually means. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So praxis to me is the applied way of doing a thing. A practice is something that you make into a norm, a behavior, a protocol, something that you make into a norm. The praxis is kind of like to me, it's like the meat on the bones, you know, it's the how we do what it is that we do and how we do what it is that we do with regularity and consistency,
0: Yeah. So what does that look like across, you know, you educate, you consult, you read tarot. What does that look like across all of those pieces for you?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's no checklist to it. I wish that there was honey. so somebody could give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will say for me, being a Black, queer and disabled femme, I have always, whether working in institutions or working for someone else or working for myself. I've always had to make a way for my body, for my mind, for myself, for my spirit, for my Blackness, for my queerness, for my disability, for my chronic illness. I've always had to self-advocate and self-determine. And so I think that there's two parts that come with that number 1 having an analysis of what is what audrey Lorde calls the mythical norm or what is the dominant norm what is overculture and overculture says that oh our bodies need to be in one place for <laughs> 8 hours to do you know work but my disabled body is not doing that and so i've always had to make a way. Yes, it's true that when you're working for someone else, you can get accommodations. However, there are often a lot of bureaucratic processes that you have to go through to get those accommodations. I've done it before and that it has been great for my life, but I bring that up only to say that I've always had to make a way. Liberatory praxis is what if we started from the base belief that not everyone is a cisgendered, straight, white, Anglo Saxon able bodied man. What if we made uh, ways of living and attaining resources and connecting with each other, with that as the reality? Because it is the reality. <laughs> And so I think liberatory praxis is, it's a myriad of things and it can be expressed in a myriad of ways. But I think any praxis that insists on the rights of those who are marginalized to be centered, not just tolerated or, you know, written in and then kind of forgotten about, but to be made central, I think that those are, that's the seed of liberatory praxis and also just an ongoing analysis and understanding and critique even of the methods, the norms, the ways of working or the ways of being or the ways of connecting that automatically assume maleness, cisgenderedness, heterosexual. So all of these different kinds of pieces that are not the actual norm they're just a the mythical norm so thank you Audre Lorde for that for that term it's good it's good language
0: thank <laughs> you Audre Lorde the poet right
1: mm-hmm. yeah well, good, uh, good many language. other things
0: mm-hmm. but there's something that comes with you know Audre Lorde Amy Césaire right the people mm-hmm. who like poet is sort of their first
1: thing yeah their first like home yeah <laughs> right. yeah mm-hmm.
0: right mm-hmm. I know one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is the way that you've woven some of that just into your own practice Mm -hmm. of the both consulting and tarot reading work that you do, Mm -hmm. where it's very clear that you state what your boundaries are and that things are fluid. Can you talk to me about what that looks like in your, in your life and maybe lessons for other folks?
1: Yeah, okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would say you don't being being a solopreneur <laughs> it takes and and for me, let me actually go back. I am from originally from Philadelphia, Southwest Philadelphia and so you, you <laughs> and so to put that in context, while I grew up in a beautiful environment and home and culture, my parents always made sure that there was pride and joy and excitement in our culture and our people and our family. You know, I did not grow up with that, the habitus that said, and here's how to make a way for yourself in the world as a black queer disabled femme, right? I just, did not, I just did not get that coming from Southwest Philadelphia. I just did not get that. There is a poem by, speaking of poets, there's <laughs> a poem by Lucille Clifton actually that I would love to, if you will bear with me, I would love to, to read because I think this is actually an important context for (laughs) the question that you asked me and so it's called won't you celebrate with me won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life I had no model born in Babylon both non-white and woman what did I see to be except myself I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay my one hand holding tight my other hand Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. And so I love that poem, particularly in answer to this question, because of this piece. This was written in 1993, I believe. But because of this piece of like, what did I see to be except myself? (laughs) I think for me, the lesson of being a solopreneur has been, Sometimes you have to make up the liberation that you need. <laughs> you can't wait for permission. You can't wait for permission, right? And so at this point no one's going to no one's going to come and say, "Jay, you know, your body doesn't have to be seated in One position for the next eight hours, I now have to make up what is the liberatory praxis that allows me to keep moving or honor the rhythms and the cycles of my body. I wish I did that perfectly, but I don't. But one of the ways that I try to do that, that we talked about before the show, was just being clear about, number one, the mission of my work who my work is for primarily and then what that means. So those three things. The mission of my work, you, you know, as Red, it's for, is for BIPOC first and foremost. And it's for folks who are disabled and chronically ill within those communities. And so for me, I have to say what would what would feel honoring to to, to this community that I'm a part of? <laughs> <laughs> what would feel honoring? Things like flexibility, things like access intimacy, a term coined by disability justice activist Mia Mingus, which really is just about, you know, meeting each other, meeting each other outside of a checklist. Oh, this is what I need to do to make this accessible. Right. But meeting each other kind of where we are and what it means to work with me is to meet me (laughs) in my Black, queer, disabled, feminist, which means that in my terms and conditions, we will talk about Spoonie protocol, right? What to do when chronic fatigue has set in. What What are the ways that we can be flexible? What should you expect? I've always gotten really positive feedback about it when people have seen it, but doing it from this side of the table, you know, it felt very ooh you know <laughs> revolutionary at a certain at a certain level because again we're so we're so conditioned because of white supremacy and because of capitalism um to work and work and work and that our very bodies are only for production doubly so as as a black woman doubly triply quadruply so right as a woman who in many uh, institutions would make Cents on the dollar, and so I think for me, it's it's moving, moving and shifting in my own in my own thoughts and giving myself permission. So lessons for other people. Sometimes you gotta give yourself permission to do what it is that you need to do. Sometimes you will have to make it up, <laughs> make it up for yourself. I will say though that one of the inspirations, uh, particularly around the The thought process of being a disabled creative and tarot reader, and this and this and that, has been informed by Johanna Hedva's work in sick woman theory, and they also published a disability writer for folks who do speaking, which I am though I am that those folks. <laughs> so the folks who do speaking and moving, and there's a beautiful resource, and and little things like that always remind me that there is a way that you can insist that you are, that your body is centered. If you're always, 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 you know, on the margins. And so I think it's been healing for me to take up more space in my, in my own kind of business and entrepreneurial life.
0: Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, sometimes we have to give ourselves permission. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's just something that can crack something open for so many to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. just an example of it happening in the world because mm-hmm. like you said capitalism white supremacy culture they're very real very big mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and tell
0: us like yep. no it's not possible and lots of yep. things are
1: possible or like oh everything needs to happen now and it's like no not <laughs> that's just simply not true until- and. <laughs> it feels like it and we've been socialized into it but someone else benefits from that our bodies don't benefit from that our souls our minds don't benefit from that and so we have to interrogate that Mm -hmm.
0: that's one of the things that when I first started any kind of tarot practice which is not a long time about a year for me it was a chance to just sit still
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: and like think about things in terms of cards and in terms of questions and these sort of you know big broad themes and but it was a chance to like sit still
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i love tarot for that reason i love tarot for that reason i really hope that we can like normalize (laughs) divination for you know work decisions and you know pathways and, and career and whatnot but I love it for that reason. I think a large part of my work is thinking about talking about trying to understand, trying to be a good student of Black folk spirituality. And within that, within that spiritual paradigm, time is not even linear to begin with, right? There are so many different ways of looking at time And tarot often reminds me of like, you know, we've got the major arcana, which is our major time, that time outside of time and deep time, future possibilities and whatnot. And then we got our minors that are kind of like here and now. And and so I, I really like to escape Western colonial time whenever I can, however I can. I was just gifted a beautiful Oracle deck by Rashida Phillips and the Black Quantum Futurism Collective, and it's an oracle deck that's all about time and healing the relationship, particularly for Black women and femmes around time, around always, you know, being rushed or a time being, you know, for someone else. It's, oh my gosh, it's beautiful, and I love the way that it has also enhanced my tarot practice to think about time in, in different ways.
0: Yeah. So Jade, my last question for you is what are you grappling with?
1: Ooh, what am I grappling with? What am I grappling with? Oh, (laughs) I'm grappling with a world that is slow, slow to embrace disability justice i'm grappling with the reality that western linear time is how so many of us have been taught to synchronize and so sometimes even when you suggest you know maybe there's more room for this maybe there's more time for this maybe there's more spaciousness some people get real scared Um, and real like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to synchronize with other people outside of it being on a clock, on a deadline, on a timeline with the, you know, and so it's been really, really, that's been something interesting to grapple with as well. Oh my goodness, what am I grappling with? So many things, so many things. I'm grappling with what it has meant in this pandemic moment to see around June and July, when the protests began to ramp up again in a new, in a new way, in a new wave for the movement Liberation for Black Lives, I'm grappling with the influx of white folks and uh, (laughs) particularly, you know, quote, well-meaning white folks, end quote, that, that, came into different spaces and you know gave maybe like their one-time donations and then radio silence for the rest of the year what do we make of this what do what do we make of, of folks who at one point believed themselves to be allies and are now you know after one cycle fatigued <laughs> Of the work of liberatory praxis, we're girl. I'm, these are the things that I'm grappling with, and I think that these are the things that we're grappling with in 2020. At the time that we are doing this, I love podcasts because that I, I feel like people listening can like go in the past and the future. <laughs> I love podcasts for that reason, but like where we're situated right now is in 2020 and is a in a global pandemic, and so I'm wrestling with what does it mean to do this work in in a global pandemic and in a way that is honoring to my body when over-culture is still overworking all of us, right? And so these are the things I'm grappling with. These are the things I'm grappling with. I hope that other folks are grappling with these things too. (laughs) I mean, I know I am, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've I've
0: seen a lot of similar things and it feels like, if it's possible that the overwork is even more.
1: Yeah. I, yes. mm-hmm.
0: You would think there would have been some spaciousness somewhere.
1: Somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that's real. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think we really have much more. Local and spiritual and personal soul searching to do because it's I think the place where we are is not honoring to our bodies is not honoring to the bodies of others and it's not sustainable. And so I'm always trying to think about how do we make these things? How do we make these things sustainable? You know?
0: And that is a lovely place to end. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate this so much. I had a good time. Thank
0: you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please see the show notes at the number four, needs.work slash podcast, and you can see the rest of the episodes of Sustainably Human at Work.